It's Tuesday, February 9th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Well, Hoynesy, the uh, Major League Baseball health and safety protocols have been announced for spring training and for the upcoming season. They look a lot like the 2020 health and safety protocols re- regarding the COVID-19 virus. Uh, however, there, there have been some changes, some updates, uh, some some use of technology is going to be incorporated. Uh, what are we hearing about the way baseball is going to look for the players' side of things uh, once spring training gets underway here in a couple of weeks? Yeah, Joe, it's, uh, um, you know, players are going to have to wear sensors like, uh, you know, in the N- NBA and the NFL did uh, that will, uh, you know, keep track of, uh, you know, social distancing, their social distancing and uh, contact tracing if they do, you know, test positive uh, for COVID. Uh, they have to wear these uh, according to the agreement by, you know, MLB and the Players Association. They have to w- wear these during all team activities uh, when they travel. Um, so that should be interesting. And, there, and the possibility is if, you know, I think there's two or three or four levels of warnings you go through, but you could be eventually if a player's in violation or a coach, I guess, uh, they could be a fine. So, uh, you know, that's a, that's a difference from last year. Right. Last year, it was more of a, you know, hey, we're all trying to get through this. And, and this year it's going to be, you know, there's a, there's a penalty component to this if, you, if you're found to be in violation of it. Uh, so there will be no more Justin Turner celebrating with uh, his teammates on the field if he's tested positive because uh, that, could, that could come with a, a, a hefty fine. I guess if that uh, does wind up uh, being a scenario that, that comes true. Uh, with this technology, with the sensor technology, uh, you know, that's great and all, but does that increase the chances that we're going to run into situations where guys who aren't positive, guys who don't test positive, but are in um, close contact with some of these guys might have to miss games and, and put teams at competitive disadvantages uh, when they don't test positive for the virus, you know, you think back to Jarvis Landry, Landry with the Browns uh, had to miss a game. Uh, it was the first game that he had ever missed in his NFL career. And it, it was, it was a really big deal to him and to everybody. Uh, he, he missed that game because he was in close contact with uh, a player or, or a player or a coach that tested positive. Turned out he wasn't positive, but he still had to miss the game because of the timing of the thing. Uh, you know, does this open up a whole whole new can of worms if we're we're going to be going by strictly by what this uh, this sensor technology says? Yeah, Joe. I guess it's uh, you know the old uh, the old saying unintended consequences. You know, whenever you take a step forward there, or you try something new, there there's always a gray area. Like you know, the play at second base. You know, where where the player comes off the bag and. Uh, and uh, he's in the player and they, he's tagged out because he came off the bag for a second. That's so, you know, that's, uh, you know, that, that's, uh, I think, I guess you just have to live with that for a while and maybe, maybe they'll get it ironed out. Maybe they'll uh, be able to, uh, you know, differentiate between things. All right. That's the unintended consequence of uh, increasing your, your usage of instant replay, I guess, was the, was what you're Yeah, right. There. Right. Uh, as far as, you know, you talked about how the NFL just wrapped up its season. They just successfully navigated, you know, to a degree. They they got through the the Super Bowl, 
and they got their money. They made their money by, you know, locking things down and, and doing things. Uh, it, it actually, if you look at it, I guess the NBA is the, the prime example of the league. They were able to, to, to do a bubble and to keep, you know, players, you know, safe from the virus and, and conduct the entire season. But on the backside of that, you've got guys like LeBron James coming out and saying, you know, 90 days in a, in a hotel room was, was not something I ever want to do again. Uh, these new self health, health and safety protocols mandate that the players stay in the hotel rooms on the road, that they, that they don't go out, that there is no uh, dining outside of the, the hotel room, like in a restaurant, uh, other things like that. There are, uh, you know, the Indians punished Zach Plesak and Mike Clevenger last year for, for doing just that. But now this is going to bring in the league on this, right? And it's out of the Indians' hands when, when it comes to that. Yeah, I guess so. You know, it'll be, uh, you know, there, I think, you know, you get, a, you get about two or three different chances, you know. But uh, I think, and, you know, they, they are flexible. These rules can be, you know, uh, you know, expanded. You know, the restrictions can be expanded, I guess, if that's the right way. Or they can be lifted, you know, depending on, you know, how the, how the virus is, you know, how what it's, you know, infection rate is, uh, you know, teams like guys, if you're at the hotel, guys can go out for a walk, they can go out for a jog. I think they can, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, they can't go into restaurants in dining, you know, in, 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 in indoor dining, maybe they could eat outside at something at, at an outdoor cafe or something like that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty restrictive. Uh, and it, you know, if they're going to play 162 games like the players want, you know, the players got to be, they, they got to buy in on this. With Indians baseball right around the corner, there's never been a better time for you to register for Indian subtext. Our subscriber-based service gives you the inside scoop and analysis on the Indians. For $3.99 a month, you get everything we're hearing and the first word before things are announced. We text you big breaking news directly to your phone even before it's up on cleveland.com. And you can text us directly with your questions and opinions. It's a great way to avoid the trolls on social media, and it's the only way to get your questions and comments on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Why should you sign up? Here's one of our subscribers, Bill from Arizona. I think it's great the way uh, uh, you guys have handled it this year and appreciate the fact that you, know, you usually, uh, when you're able, respond pretty uh, quickly either just to me or to, you know, to, to everybody. And it's nice to have a little insight on some things. And then maybe an hour or two later, the story will break. I kind of feel like I'm sort of, you know, on the QT in the know, and it's fun. Bill and all of our Indian subtext subscribers agree. There's a lot going on with the team. And the best way to keep up is with Indian subtext. Go to joinsubtext.com slash Cleveland Indians or Text Hoinsey or Joe at 216-208-4346. Again, that's joinsubtext.com slash Cleveland Indians. Or send a text message to 216-208-4346. We look forward to having you as a member of Indian Subtext. As, as far as the league goes, they're, they're set to go with the uh, these changes to spring training as well uh, and with the scheduling, what, what are you hearing about uh, from the Indian side 
of things. Uh, what will be different for the Indians coming up uh, when, when they open camp in Goodyear, Arizona? Well, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit yesterday, Joe. There's going to be, I think players are going to have to have a four to five day quarantine before they go into the spring training bubble. Uh, you're, you're, you're only going to be uh, in the first few days of spring training. You know, there's phases, phase one, phase two, phase three. Phase three is when the games start. Um, then uh, phase one is light group, light group workouts. Phase two is, you know, the expanded group workouts. And, uh, you know, and starting with the game schedule, you know, starting the Indians are going to move their uh, opener, spring training opener to the 28th, February 28th. Uh, under management's the agreement between the managers, they could the games are going to last between three to five innings. Uh, then uh, at, after uh, March 14th, the games will be expanded to uh, nine innings. So, you know, and I think they're working in a day off out there uh, to, um, you know, uh, you know, just maybe maybe another day off uh, to, uh, you know, just make sure uh, players are, are rested and um uh, uh, let's see. I, I think uh, oh, okay. Uh, a seventy-man, a seventy-five-man. Uh, each club like will be uh, yeah limited to an inter, you know inviting seventy-five players to camp along with seventy-five staff members. So that's like like sort of like the player pool system that they had last year with the uh, the alternate site. Right. And, and those guys are going to be coming in and out of the facility in shifts and and things like that. Uh, so the, the in-game changes that people will notice, like you said, uh, early on in spring training, those games will be five to seven innings, something, something shorter like that. Yeah. We'll also see during the regular season, uh, the runaround second base rule is going to come back for extra innings. Uh, the seven inning uh, double headers, which, uh, you know, both of those rules, I, I think, you know, people were okay with those last year. It, it turned out to be, you know, uh, an added wrinkle made the extra inning games a little more exciting. And as far as the, the seven inning doubleheaders go, the, the players like those as well. Yeah, I think the Indians probably played the last nine inning doubleheader mm -hmm. in uh, last going back all the way to last season, because I can't it was really it was early in the year. And and then uh, they made the change to seven innings. I'm pretty sure I'm if, if, yes. if I remember. Yeah, it was, it was right before they made that official change to, to seven innings. They played a doubleheader, and I believe it was against the White Sox. Right, yeah, it was against the White Sox, yeah. And uh, there's no – you know, last year, uh, I think if it, it had been a traditional season, they were going to limit the number of pitchers to 14 on a roster, 13 and 14, I can't remember exactly. But there's no restriction on the number of pitchers they can carry. Uh, this is during the regular season, 26 man roster. It'll go up to 28 on September 1st. You can add a player for, uh, you know, a double header. I think a split double header, you can add, you know, a, a player you can go up and you've got the, the five man taxi squad you can travel with on the road. Right. That five man taxi squad. I think one of those has to be a catcher. One of the yes. positions yeah. I think does have to be. So uh, again, all of those steps uh, on their face seem to be pretty reasonable, seem to be, you know, things that, that make sense in terms of trying to get through uh, a season that you, you basically got to go into it, treating it just the same as, as you did last year with the virus being, you know, super active, even though we've got a vaccine out there, uh, we're still not going to start seeing 
the results of that vaccine uh, coming through, uh, you know, with, you know, the ability to have more fans in the stands, anything like that, uh, until probably late in the season, if at all this year. Yeah, I, w- I would think so, Joe. I mean, I, I think, you know, that was one of the reasons behind the owners wanting to delay spring training for a month and, you know, and the regular season for a month and to uh, get more people vaccinated, perhaps get the uh, players vaccinated and, um, you know, get some people in the stands. Now, you know, the NFL was able to, what the Browns were able to get, what about 12,000 people in, in, mm-hmm. in the stands at home games for selected home games. Right. So I would think, I think the Cavs are, I think the Cavs are up to about like 14 and a half percent in their facility right now. Yeah. So I would think eventually, I don't know if it's, it's going to happen in April, but maybe the fans don't want to come in April. Yeah. So, but I, I would think sometime, you know, before the all-star break, there would be fans in the stands. You would think they would be able to work something out. I mean, you're not just talking fans. You've got to also talk about if you're going to have fans, you've got to have workers there and they also have to be, you know, protected in some way or, or, right. or whatever. Otherwise you're, you're just spreading it that way. So uh, slowly, but surely we're, we're getting there. All right. Uh, I, you know, I wanted to jump in and, and talk about, you know, one thing we haven't really sort of dug deep on and, and dwelled on this, uh, this offseason since the signing of Eddie Rosario is, I mean, I guess I, I don't want to approach it from the idea of, you know, how, how bad has the Indians outfield production been over the last several years, probably over the last decade, if you really think about it. Uh, but when was the last time the Indians had uh, an, an outfielder that that produced the way that I guess that they're expecting Eddie Rosario to produce. Uh, I'm looking at his uh, Rosario's projected numbers. Uh, they're on baseball reference right now. Uh, the numbers that, that he has in his t- age 29 season uh, baseball reference projecting him uh, 27 home runs, 90 RBIs, a 267 batting average and a 782 OPS. A 782 OPS, I would take uh, in, in a heartbeat because that's probably the combined OPS of the Cleveland Indians outfield from all of last season. Uh, it, it, it just, how much do we expect Eddie Rosario to, to sort of change the, the, the culture of the outfield there for the Indians uh, in, in this one season coming up? I think it's it's a huge ad, Joe. I, I really do. I mean, you can you can hit this guy third, fourth, fifth, or sixth. You know, he's a left-handed hitter. He's a power hitter. Uh, you know, we've we've said this stat before, but the Indians outfielders hit 11 home runs last year, and this guy's projected to hit 28 or 29. He had like 14 all by himself last year, I believe. So, you know, you're adding a legitimate power hitting outfielder. You know, which the Indians haven't had since uh, Brantley, and and Brantley wasn't Michael Brantley wasn't per se a power hitter. You know, no, he's, he was he's more of a, a contact hitter. A, you know, a, a a professional hitter. Right, Brantley has sort of developed a little more power since he went to uh, Houston. Gee, I, I, ironic, I guess. Players go to Houston and they develop all of their powers there, don't they? <laughs> uh, I'm not saying anything. Uh, Michael Brantley, the last Indians outfielder to hit 20 home runs in a single season. That was back in 2014. Prior to that, uh, the last Indians outfielder hit 20 or more home runs. Shinsu Chu in 2010, he had 22. Uh, before that, Grady Sizemore hit 33. 
back in 2008. So really there hasn't been much over the last 10 plus years. Yeah, the, if you look at the way the Indians have been built during that period, you know, they've been built with uh, power hitting catchers or first baseman with, you know, Santana or, or where, wherever Santana played first base or, or, or uh, uh, catcher, uh, power hitting shortstops, you know, with, with Lindor, uh, you know, and, and a power hitting third baseman in, in, uh, in uh, Ramirez, uh, second base, you know, Kipnis had a couple good years, you know, I, he wasn't a legitimate power hitter, but he was, he was a productive hitter and that's where they got their, uh, you know, their production from. But this is the club of, you know, Manny Ramirez and Albert Bell and, you know, Rocky Calavito. This is, this is a club that has, that has had outfielders that have been able to mash the ball over the years. Uh, it just seems like in, in this, you know, last decade, this iteration of, of the Indians, uh, the emphasis hasn't been there on getting and developing and, and bringing along the, the, the young outfielder that that's a, a stud who can, can hit 30 home runs in a year. Yeah. You know, and it's not without for lack of trying, you know, they, they drafted Clint Frazier, number one, they drafted Bradley Zimmer, number one, they've drafted Tyler Naquin, number one, you know, they yeah, traded Frazier. They traded Frazier, you know, and he is finally, after some stops and starts in New York, is is starting to, you know, swing the bat like he's starting to show some power. Zimmer and, and Naquin have really have, have been slowed by injuries, so we really haven't, you know, the, the, those top players, the guys they, that should be in the outfield right now were either traded away or, or were injured. Yeah, you think about it, that should be your starting outfield right now. You should have Naquin in center. Uh, or Zimmer in center, uh, Naquin in in left, and and Frazier in right. If if you had kept everybody together, uh, obviously you needed to make the trades that you made, and and you know injuries you can't account for. But but that should be your starting outfield, and uh, by by all accounts, the way that you had drafted it. And then uh, you look at it, Joe, that uh, Sant Anthony Santander, mm -hmm. the uh, Rule Five guy, they lost to uh, the the Orioles. I mean, he's turned into a you know could be a, you know, a consistent power hitting outfielder, but that was a guy that was coming off shoulder surgery and they left him off unprotected at a ball. And, and the, uh, you know, the Orioles did a good job scouting them and, and signed them. I mean, took them in the rule five draft. All right. helps to be playing at, uh, at Camden yards as well. I guess the, uh, you know, the ball does fly out of there a little bit, but, uh, but right. Okay. So what, what do they do? Is this the year that, that things turn around in the outfield? I don't know. You're only, you've only really got Rosario for one season. Yeah. I mean, Rosario's a kind of, to me, he's, he represents the Indians, you know, the Indians um, vow that they're going to try to win this year. Other than that, there's no reason for him to be here. You might as well give those at bats to George Valera or somebody, a, a younger outfielder and let's see what he can do. But, you know, it, I think it's the Indians commitment to uh, saying, Look, we're still in this thing. We think we have a chance to make the postseason. Right. That's that that had that speaks more about the the pitching staff that they have than anything else. Uh, you mentioned George Valera. That's the uh, he's nineteen twenty. Uh, he's he's the highest rated Indians outfield prospect right now. He's what number three, number four in the uh, in, in Major League Baseball MLB pipelines uh, ratings of the Indians uh, prospects. Uh, this is a kid who has the potential. Does, is he the same kind of, you know, 
quality bat that maybe like a, you, you look at a, a Juan Soto or a, a Ronald Acuna. Those are the, the, the young top flight guys, uh, National League guys. But, you know, could could George Valera ever get to that point? Because that's what that's what the Indians are looking for. That's what the Indians need. And and they're, they're, I, I just don't think George Valera is that. No, would you, no, I, I, you know, I don't know. I haven't seen him enough, but I would think if he had that, those kind of tools, <laughs> he'd be knocking on the door a lot louder than he is right now. I mean, to me, they need Manny Ramirez. The last guy they had like in, in, in comparison to those two guys that you mentioned, Joe was, was Ramirez. And uh, you know, you don't, those guys, <laughs> I mean, those guys come along once a generation and if you're lucky enough to, to sign them and, and draft them. And, uh, you know, they found Manny in uh, where Washington Heights, uh, Washington right, right Heights. By in the shadow of Yankee stadium. Well, that that's the thing is that if they're going to get another Manny, if they're going to get the next Ronald Acuna or Juan Soto, it, it's going to be by drafting him. It's going to be by developing him because, you know, signing him or trading for him, I don't think is, is going to be a possibility. All right. Well, uh, as we head into the rest of the week, uh, we'll keep an eye on any further developments with uh, spring training scheduling and and what's going on there. And uh, we're getting closer, Hoinsey. It's uh, it's coming up on us. We got uh, a little more than a little more than a week now, huh? Yeah, spring training, February seventeenth. Pitchers and catchers report, and uh, it's going to be a little different spring this year. Well, it always seems to always is, but you know. Um, no, no reporters aren't allowed in the complex. So it's, we're going to be doing a lot of zoom from, uh, <laughs> from, from Goodyear, Arizona. I, I ask you every year, does it, are you starting to feel it? Are you starting to get the, get the itch now? Is it, it's I'm starting to get it a little bit, Joe, starting, starting to, to get it, starting to feel it. It's just, I've been looking at too much snow. I, I need, uh, <laughs> we need some baseball, get, warm things up. All right. Hopefully baseball and sunshine are on the way. We'll talk to you again tomorrow on the Cleveland baseball talk podcast.